0: You know, when you go to um, a grocery store, wherever you go for shopping, very often the, the cashier asks you this question, do you want to pay by debit or credit? You know, very often. And most of us choose credit because we don't have a lot of money in the, in the account. Or even if you have money in the account, the banking system in such a way that bank will reward you for using other people's money if you use a credit card you get points and if you use your own money using a debit card they will charge you a transaction fee right um so we normally go for credit card um the reason i'm saying is this when we talked about the aspect of mercy blessed are the merciful Mercy is something we have already received on the cross. The ultimate act of mercy is already demonstrated and distributed for us on the cross. There is nothing that can top than what has already happened on the cross. So whenever we dispense that act of mercy to others, we are actually paying from debit, which is already given to us in a way you know, so that's why we, we were focusing on that word, you remember, Hassad. I don't know how many of you googled that word, and I gave you permission to google uh, that particular Hebrew word, uh, reason being, and I can say this, that would probably the most nuanced Hebrew word you might ever hear from this pulpit, um, I've, learned Hebrew just enough to say something closely similar to that, but uh, but hased is a word so nuanced that uh, it is almost impossible to translate into our language, right? And I said that something which might come closer to what we can understand is, you know, when we do marriage vows, we say, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, uh, in sickness and health. We, when we say that, when you enter into a marriage, the couple, uh, you know, very flippantly say that, yeah, 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 yeah. better or worse, and rich, <laughs> richer or poorer. But do you really know what that means? It's not just saying that I love you and I am going to in- re- I am going to incarnate with you. When you become richer I will experience that richness with you. But when you become poorer I am willing to go down to that level and, be, and experience that, that poverty with you. When you are better I will be better with you. When you are worse so there, there, it is not just love. It is not just love. It is incarnational act of mercy. It is an act of mercy. That's hasad that is closest to hasad we can understand in our culture right and the word hasad is very rarely used when it comes to human beings almost always hasad comes with God God's hasad God's mercy because it is very difficult for human beings to even comprehend that level of Practical act of mercy. And we saw Jesus on the cross showed us that mercy. Jesus in his divinity showed us that mercy through incarnation. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And he came down as a human being like us in the form of a servant. That is In his divinity, he incarnated into humanity. And then in his his humanity, he showed us a horizontal act of mercy, which is intercession. That are the two words I mentioned, incarnation and intercession. Intercession is what Jesus even doing now. In his humanity, he experienced the agony of the existence of humanity. Now he is in the right hand of God interceding for us. Interceding for us. There you go. Two acts, vertical and the horizontal acts of Hassad. And now God com—He has commanded us to dispense that mercy we have already received on the cross by pointing them to the ultimate act of mercy. The ultimate act of mercy is not the check you write, it is not charity, it is not philanthropy, it is showing people who Jesus is if you know what the Bible talks about. So that that is the that is the challenge that hasad presents us. That's what we learned last week. Blessed are the merciful because we will obtain mercy. Now, let's stand for the reading of the word today. Matthew chapter 5, 8. We will read it together. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Gagarin flew into space, but didn't see any God there. Gagarin flew into space, but didn't see any God there. This is a quote from, it's attributed to Gagarin, but I'm pretty sure he didn't say that he was a Christian. Whatever Christianity mean in 1960s Russia. (laughs) But Nikita Khrushchev, the Russian premier at that time, said that in an anti-religion rally, because 1961, as you know, Russians beat the rest of the world in the outer space exploration and Yuri Gagarin became the first person to be in the outer space. And the comment after that was this, and we now know what outer space is. We have been thinking, we have been praying that there will be this God out there. Gagarin went there and we saw, we saw the outer space. There is no god we couldn't see god the obsession to see god (laughs) is so overwhelming in our culture to the extent that even the commute the communist who doesn't even believe in the existence of god wanted to see him and very often people who ask me to show god are people who don't believe in his existence can you show god so that we can believe? Show me your God. That's human hubris to think that we can somehow fetch God right in in the middle of us and show it to everybody, hey, here is God, and believe in him. That's a human arrogance. And that's what that that, that Khrushchev's comment, that depicts. And I remember there was this, um, an American preacher uh, responded to that comment Gagarin flew into space and he didn't see God there and so this American preacher said uh, there was an earthworm in the middle of a rainforest in Africa and was in his little tunnel under the under the surface of the earth never went outside to the surface of the earth and first one day he mustered the courage to go out and this little earthworm popped up its head In the middle of the rainforest and then and then looked around and then went back immediately to the tunnel and then he said I visited the world and I didn't see Gagarin there (laughs) Uh, I thought that was very funny (laughs) that's very funny and I respect all the exploration that is happening and I know our people and Lauren White who sang, you, do you know that? She's a rocket scientist and our church chair?" These are all JPL, Caltech and I admire what they do. This is incredible, but believe me, and they know this more than I do, we are still, we are still that earthworm just peeking our head in the middle of nowhere and look around. That's all what we are doing. Even when we are exploring Mars and the universe is so big and so wide and so incomprehensible that we are still an earthworm exploring the soul. If we think that we can see God that way using our own intellectual prowess, then we have a problem, Right? Anyway, but even Christians are obsessed with it. You know, even even my own. (laughs) Even there are many, many, many Christians. Genuinely, you know, it would be so nice to see God. Why should I blame everybody? I want to see God too, right? Like, you know, sometimes I pray, God, can I see you? You know, I've been praying to you for so long. I'm preaching about you. You know, it would be really cool that if I can really, like, see you, how you look like. You know, I sing songs about your beauty and your majesty. If only I could see that, right? And then again, I wonder why, why do, why do that? You know, it's almost like I want, to, I, want to, I want to take a selfie with God or something like that when I see. It's like seeing a celebrity, right? And even that, that request to see God, where does that come from? It's come from a, uh, from a fascination. It comes from an obsession. It's not so much that I want to see my wife. I want to see my wife. I want to see my kids. And my kids left home empty nesters officially. It's only a couple of weeks. I can't wait to see them. I don't have the same kind of desperation to see God, to be honest with you. I want to see God. I want to see God so that it's just like I want to see Tom Cruise one day. You know, like like this big fascination for that obsession. I'm just challenging myself here, okay? So the reason I'm saying is that seeing God is, is what the Beatitude is all about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Why do we want to see God? How, we are? How are we going to see God? What does it even mean by seeing God? And if you are a Jew... This is the last thing you want. If you talk to a Jew, they don't want to see God, even if God wants to show himself to them. The Bible is very clear about that. No one can be alive once they see God. The Bible is very clear, particularly the Old Testament. When God descends to Mount Sinai for giving his commandment to Moses, And the first thing that God says is, make sure that no one even come near the mountain because if anyone sees me, they will perish. So you have to choose whether you want to see God or you want to live. (laughs) That's the choice. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, this majestic revelation of God, God shows himself in a vision to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, 6, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is this oh whoa, I am ruined. That's what he said, because my eyes saw the king. Can you believe that? I saw God, I am ruined. My goodness, I'm I'm done. Now that's the Jewish understanding of seeing God. They don't want to see God because they are afraid. For their life, they have. A, they, they want to live because no one can live if they see God. So that's why in the Old Testament, what you see is often what we call theophanies. Theophanies means God appears to people in mysterious ways. For example, Abraham entertained three guests. Three people come to Abraham, and they have conversation, you know, hospitality, and all all, all that happens. And in the end, uh, and the narration of that in the scripture is, God appeared to Abraham. We say God, we see God appearing to Abraham, but we don't see any God there. We see three men coming and eating, having conversation. And we call this a theophany. God reveals himself using some kind of a medium. Right? And then in another instance where, instance where Jacob fights with a mysterious angel, like a real fist, real fight, wrestling, wrestling with a, with a mysterious angel, and in the end, we read and Jacob himself says that I fought with God. I wrestled with God. So that, then we realize, oh, it was not an angel. It was a manifestation of God. It is a what we call a theophany, right? But the only person who had a, 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 who saw God I, in that sense is Moses. So I'm going to read some scriptures today. Uh, so let me read from Exodus 33 and verses 9 to 11, okay? And uh, hear this, this is what it says. This is where Moses spends time with God in Mount Sinai, receiving the commandments. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, All the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Can you picture that? (laughs) It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, Just as a man speaks to his friend, face to face like a friend, not like a Facebook friend, face to face like an actual real friend. There was this intimate communion, togetherness between Moses and God, which is unlike anywhere we see in the pages of the Bible. But here is a confusion though. Right after that, Here is another verse. So now I'm going to read from the same chapter as we go to chapter 20, uh, sorry, verse 20, chapter 33, verse 20. This is what it says. Now Moses is asking God, hey, God, we have been spending this time together. You have been revealing these commandments to me. Now I want to see your glory. So before that then, God was speaking to Moses, but still Moses hasn't really seen God. It's just, just confusing. So Moses is asking, can you show me your glory? Can you really show me who you are? Then God says, okay, but he said, God says, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Right? This is what we said before. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it, shall, it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall, be, shall not be seen. Now that is very, you know, that, that contradicts in the same chapter, right? Now this is what we call, uh, you know, when you read the Bible, the Bible is not just the word of God. It is the word of God, but it is expressed in different literal art forms, right? Like, you know, there is essays in the Bible. There are thesis statements in the Bible. There are stories in the Bible. There are poetries in the Bible. We don't read poetry the way that we read an essay right? So these are poetic expressions of what we are reading about seeing the face of God. It doesn't really mean that, I I don't know if God has a back and God has a friend, you know? I mean, what does that even mean? Because these are, this is another sermon for another day. But I want you to know that the seeing God, seeing the face of God is an experience we can achieve the way Moses has achieved already but still it may not be the way the russians or anybody else perceives because we think of that glorious appearance no you can still f- see the face of god even though he is a transcendent entity even though we don't fully understand him because god is a spirit jesus himself said that god is a spirit and the spirit embody spirit reveals itself, any spirit reveals itself to us by embodiment, being incarnate, being in the flesh of something. So God can, even though he is that invisible, intangible, incomprehensible, supernatural being, we can still see God, even though it may be very different from our understanding of seeing, seeing. We can experience seeing without actually seeing there's this famous uh, a book it's actually perceived as a children's book called little prince i don't know how many of you have read that this is one of the largest i think it sold 150 million copies and translated into 500 languages or something little prince and there is this quote in little prince this is how it goes little prince is essentially an alien who comes to this planet and the aviator crashes his plane somewhere and (laughs) gets, you know, uh, befriends this alien prince uh, who is actually traveling around the world. and, uh, And the prince has wisdom and knowledge. And one of the things the prince says is this. Here is my secret. It is very simple. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. So it is only with heart one can see. Lakota language, the Native Americans used to say something called Kante Ista, which means the eye of the heart. The eye of the heart. It is pretty much the same thing Jesus says in this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. God sent, God sent us to this world with a device in us to tune to his image which is already around us. And that is our heart, not our brain. That's where Russians made a mistake. It's not the brain. It's not with your brain you see God, but it is with your heart you tune to the frequency of God and then his image becomes visible to us blessed are the pure in heart that's the that's the device I give you to tune my image the first time I saw Los Angeles was in 1984 I was a middle school or high school kid I can remember a long time ago I was still in India <laughs> that was 1984 something big happened in Los Angeles you remember Los Angeles Olympics Uh, That is the first time television came to our little village in India. (laughs) I remember there was only one family in the whole town could afford a television at that time. Thankfully, it was color. So when when television came to our our village, it came as a color television. We We haven't seen black and white. But I remember the entire village, particularly all of us children, will go and, you know, and this family couldn't, you know, put all of, so they would, pushed their TV all the way outside, and so that all the, there was, there was a, a few hundred people there sitting every day, evening our time, late night our time, I believe, watching 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. I'm not a big sports fan, but I'm a, I was always a Los Angeles fan because of movies, I love movies. So Los Angeles to me was next to heaven. You know, you know some of the glitz and the glamor and the stars and all that. So I wanted to see Los Angeles. That's why I went there. What is this place in America, right? So I remember anyway, uh, you know, this television set being there and then amazing performances. Uh, still remember Mary Lou Retton, the, the, uh, the, the gymnast. Uh, and all this performance was happening. And so you have this television set Uh, Very good television set for that uh, period and but then associated with that also is an antenna, right? Which was like like an umbrella (laughs) Like a big old umbrella turned upside down and I remember there was a guy who was placed on the rooftop because his job was the reception was not very clear Right. So whenever, so 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 we are watching this, uh, watching this amazing performance in the middle of a, a split or whatever they do. The gymnast, do, the gymnast does. Uh, you know, the, the 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 screen freezes. Then we will shout and scream. The, the guy on the top will just spin the whole umbrella, so that he can receive the signal. And suddenly it becomes clear. All we needed was just a sil out. And the people here are so spoiled, HD is nothing now. We need 4K is nothing because 8K resolution is what we are talking about. This is back in the days, all we needed is just to seal out, just to see what was happening, right? But I remember that tuning process because if that tuning process, even though we were watching this on the screen, the actual action was being done in that umbrella. See, that's what happens. Quite often, we cannot see God because something happens with that tuning device. And the tuning device is the heart. Our heart has to be, on a consistent basis, tuned to God to receive that image. Then, that's exactly what Jesus says, we will see. We will see God. See, The Bible says there is a secret cord programmed into our heart to tune to the frequency of God. And I'm going to quickly read a couple of verses for you. Romans chapter 2, 15. Romans chapter 2, verse 15 says this. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience being witness. See, God has programmed his law into our heart. Whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, there is a primordial sense of revelation that has already been given into our heart. And the New Testament again says that the work of the Old Testament was written on the tablets of stone, but there is this new law which is written in the tablets of our heart. That is what gives us what we call conscience very often. When we do something wrong even if you have never read the Bible or if you have, even if you have never heard a, heard a sermon there is something that bothers us. Now that is according God has already programmed into our heart to tune to him so that we can see him. But the problem that happened this is the next verse Jeremiah 17:9. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand? See, our hearts are such a complicated mechanism. <laughs> we can explore the outer space, but exploring the inner space is way more complicated than space exploration the deceitfulness of our heart has corrupted the coding what God has already programmed into us and that's why Paul says we look through a glass darkly remember 1 Corinthians 30, we see through a glass darkly. We can see God. We can see glimpses of God. But the heart is not pure. The, heart, the coding has become corrupted. So we can still see God, but it is fragmented. The picture, it's only a seal out. It's just like the Los Angeles I saw in 1984. Now I realize that's not the real Los Angeles. That was such a... Corrupted picture of Los Angeles because the tuning was not appropriate. And this is why Psalmist cries out, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew the spirit within me. That spirit is the tuning frequency. I want my heart to tune to the frequency of God so that I can receive the image of God in my mind because that's what Jesus said. In your heart is where, I, where we see God. How do we clean our heart? The answer is very simple. Hebrew chapter 10, 22 says this. Let us approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having, our faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Sprinkled clean. How do we sprinkle our heart clean? If you read the whole scripture in context, it is the blood of the Lamb. It is talking about the ultimate sacrifice that happened on the Calvary when Jesus did on the cross and the blood that flew from the foot of the cross and that is how, how we clean our heart. And if you have never received that experience, if you have never accepted Jesus into our, your life and everything what we are talking about may not make any sense to you and this is your time for you to sprinkle your heart clean with the blood of Jesus. The atonement that has already been provided to you on the cross and that is the first step to cleaning. But then again, you will say, but we have already done that. We have already done that. We have sprinkled our hearts clean with the blood of the Lamb. And I know it's a continuous process, but we still know that. Another aspect to this, though, I realized that this week, it is not just about what is in our heart that makes the heart impure. It is also about where our heart is, okay? See, the Jewish law of purity is very interesting, or cleanliness is very interesting. Without going into further details, for example, cleanliness is not just a, just a or purity is not just a matter of the, the substance or the content itself, but also a matter of context. I'll explain what it means. Say, for example, I am a pure man, okay? I'm a clean man, I'm a pastor, I'm a holy man per se, right? But according to the Jewish law, if I touch a corpse, if I touch a corpse, I suddenly become unholy. Not because I did what I did, it's because where I was. It's a matter of not who I am as my substance, but also my context. I was in that context, which was impure. Then, as an an impure man, I go and drink a glass of water then that glass of water becomes impure. And then somebody comes and cleans, you know, a, a waiter comes and takes that glass and moves it to another table. That waiter becomes impure. And the other table becomes impure. So it goes and goes like that. It's a very complicated understanding of the law of purity and cleanliness. The point I'm trying to make is, it is not just about what is in our heart. It is also about where our heart is. Quite often, where our heart is determines the content of what is in our heart. Because our heart has this this, this kind of sucking up things through osmosis wherever our heart is and the heart is very it it picks up things from there and it pollutes our heart and jesus said matthew chapter 6 21 matthew chapter 6 21 he said for where your treasure is there your heart will be also i want you to remember that Yeah, our hearts are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we are the children of God. There is no doubt about that. We are all ready to go to heaven. No doubt about that. But my question today is not what is in your heart, where your heart is. Where is your heart? Is your heart in the bank? (laughs) It's about the business, the next set of business you want to do, or how much money you have made or not made, and the stock market crash or not, or or is it just about your family and your children, the next vacation you want to take, and these are all important things. I'm not saying not that. But what is your treasure? That's the question. What is your treasure? What is the most precious possession you have? Somebody ask you the question, what is the most precious possession you have? What are you pointing them to? Your house, your car, your account, your beautiful wife, your amazing children. What is the treasure? I'm not going to answer it for you. I'm just going to leave it open-ended. I want you to answer. If you don't see God, probably that's where the problem is it is not the pro- not about what is in your heart but where your heart is where, because where your treasure is because where your treasure is there will be your heart also let's make sure that our heart is focused on the right treasure and f- tuning in the right frequency because our the television can also tune in wrong frequencies it can also bring in wrong kind of pictures that will mess you up That's the nature of the tuning device that God has provided inside us. So make sure that we do the right way to tune. One more thing I'm going to close here. You know, there's a beautiful climax to that Moses story. End with this uh, verse, uh, Exodus chapter 35, verses 29 and uh, 33 to 35. Now Moses, after all this conversation with God in the mountain comes down, okay? That's the climax. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil sorry, when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. See, seeing God will change your life. If you ever see God, you are not going to remain the same. You can, you will know when you see the one who has seen God. There are many in this congregation, I know. I can handpick the people in this congregation who has seen God. I can look at their countenance and I know they have seen God. I know they are seeing God on an everyday basis. Some of them are sitting in the wheelchair. Some of them are so old that you may ignore them. Some of them don't look so beautiful and polished and not wearing a blazer. And some of them, and many of them, don't have a theology degree. But I can look at their face and I know this is a person I want to befriend because this person has seen God because their countenance, The skin of their face is glowing, glowing. Now that's what's going to happen to you if you see God. This is why it is so important as Christians in this culture... There is no point for us to go outside and preach to the culture. The church has already tuned off any sound bites from the church. Uh, the world has tuned out any sound bites from the church. But we, if we walk out into the culture, and the culture will look at you, look at us, and say, "There is something about th- those Christians. There is something about the way their face, their skin is glowing. There is something about their countenance." That is different because they have seen God. They may never have told us that they have seen God. Like I said, you will know when you see the one who has seen God. And I want all of Lake Avenue Church to see God. See God. With the eye of our heart, we will see God. With the like, like, like we sang today, heart of my heart, whatever befalls. There is a heart inside our heart. That is what we call the eye of the heart. And Jesus asked us to polish that. Yes, we have sprinkled it it clean, but that is not enough. We need to make it completely purified by checking our own motivations and our own intentions because purity has multiple meaning purity doesn't just mean washed clean you know when you say a pure metal which really means an unalloyed metal right unalloyed there are no there is there should not be any mixed motivations in our heart even when we do the right thing and this is a challenge even for me you know when I preach from here and I always don't want any applause and I don't want anybody to appreciate me. But even inside that, I still like, I want you to like me. I really, I really do. But that shouldn't be the case. And I, even though I say that I don't care about any of this, but deep inside, even the, no, even the most noble act of charity has some kind of selfish, hidden motive inside, within that. I've seen that. I've witnessed that about my own thing. I'm talking about myself here. So let us examine ourselves. Let us examine our heart. And pray like that Sam has prayed. Create in me a clean heart. Without any mixed motive. Without any blemish. So that we can see God. Because until we see God. Unless we see God. The world will not see God because God, the world cannot tune their hearts to God. So God has sent us into their, into their midst with glowing faces, with the countenance that spill out God's glory so that we can show him to the world. We are the walking billboards. We are the sickness that is that carries God's image to the world. So that's why we have to see God Then only we can show God. I'm going to invite the worship team back. Let's say a prayer. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. That's our prayer today. And we live in a noisy culture. There are a lot of noises we deal with on an everyday basis which corrupts our heart, our motivation, our thinking, our feeling. And we pray that the precious blood of Jesus will wash us clean. And we will keep our hearts always in the right place because our treasure is you. Only you and anything that is given by you so that where our heart where our heart is will be controlled by where you are leading us and help us to follow that call help us to see you help us to change our countenance and help us to experience the glory and help us to soak in your presence as we live our day-to-day life bless us together in jesus name we pray amen amen